Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Well, if you have your Bibles, here's what we're going to go to, DJ. We're going to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 6 in uh, NIV, if you don't mind. All right. So, uh, since we're sticking with, I didn't even know what I was going to preach until about three or four minutes ago. And um, here's what I'm going to do tonight. Since we're going with the cowboy theme tonight, he makes me like, I feel like I'm naked up here because I don't have my hat on. I need to have my black felt hat on. I wish I had it. But uh, it's good to see y'all tonight. And uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. So, Father, thank you uh, for just uh, being so good to us. Thank you for loving us, caring about us. And Father, for those that are here tonight that don't know you, I pray, God, you help me make it simple and clear and that you would draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My best friend lives in East Tennessee, uh, in Bristol, Tennessee. Does anybody know where Bristol is? It's Bristol. It's on the Virginia-Tennessee line. And so uh, I, I have been best friends with Wayne for, since I was probably 19 years old. And uh, I would go up there when I was single. He lived right on the lake. We'd go skiing all the time, and we've gone, we've done everything. Well, so every time I would fly up there when I was single, I, I would fly so I didn't have a vehicle and stuff. And so when I come in, he'd let me use whatever vehicle he had at the time. So I flew up there one time, and he had this, just bought this little Mazda B5000. Y'all remember them little trucks? And if you got one, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not a truck. Um, it's it's like a go-kart with wheels or something. I don't so he had just somebody he bought this used truck and, and it wasn't he had never even driven it. He'd only had it for two weeks. He said, Hey, you can use this truck I just bought. And I said, Okay. So I get in it and me and another friend of mine, we were gonna go because it's in East Tennessee. They got the Appalachian Caverns. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that and stuff, but they had these caves. And it's these bat, there's some bats in it and stuff. I'm not talking about like a, you know, like a baseball bat. I'm talking about like a bat kind of bats. And so we were going to go see this cave and all that kind of stuff. And so I was driving Wayne's truck. My friend was in the passenger side. And I was driving slow that day. Cause, and I'm going to because it would kind of been raining all day, just a slow drizzle. So I knew not to drive fast. And so while I'm, I'm driving, you know, it's in Appalachian Mountains, it's, you know, this, that, all around. It's not like in Texas where I'm from. Texas, it's flat. Where I'm at, if, if you run off the road in Texas, it's no big deal. You might hit a fence post and maybe hit a cow. That, that's about it. But in East Tennessee, where he lives, you run off the road, you're dead. So I am driving slow, all right? I'm, and I'm talking like 45 miles an hour or something like that. And I'm going around these corners and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, we're going around this corner, the truck starts hydroplaning. And I'm not talking, and so I, I know, I, I've, I've hydroplaned before, I've done it in the snow, I've done it in water. So I, I just turn the steering wheel all the way to the left. I'm just hoping it catches, and, I, and I, I'm just praying, Lord, Lord. And we're sliding, 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 and my friend's going, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. I go, I know, I know, I know. Finally, it, it's too late. I mean, we're about to go off the edge. So I lock the brakes up. It don't matter. And the reason why it was a big deal, because there was a 60-foot drop, and there was a creek down at this bottom. So I'm just, I'm holding on. We just shoot right off the side. I'm talking 60 feet down, right into a creek. And so the truck is like at an angle like this, 
The whole right side of the hood is underwater. The windshield on the passenger side, there is water halfway up. So the only way we could get out was driver's side, my side. So I open the door. We climb out on, on top of the truck, jump off onto the bank. And I'm like, are you okay? And they're like, yes. So his truck, I just, he just bought this thing. But it's his fault. Because, no, it really was. The tires on the front, slick, bald. That They had radials. The wires were showing. And I didn't even look at it or nothing. I'm like, hey, that's your fault, big man. That, that, you should have had new tires on this thing. So I think I've got to, he's going to kill me. I mean, I wrecked his jet ski one time as I was showing off and jumped a deal and hit a post. But anyway, so I'm thinking, he's going to, I got to do something. So I'm looking around. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? There's no cell signal nowhere, you know. Uh, we're in the mountains. I'm in a hole down here. So I look up. There's a farmer's house at the top. I thought, well, I'll go to the farmer's house. I'll call a wrecker from his house. Maybe I can get, you know, I, I'll be able to call from there. So I said, stay with the truck, like it was going to go anywhere. And uh, so I go up into the farmer's house, you know, and so he has a big gate. I walk in the gate, and there's a house to the right. There's a barn to the left. Inside the barn, the barn doors were wide open, and there was a big, beautiful, green John Deere tractor in there. And he's in there working on that tractor. So I walk up to him, I said, sir, and I can't remember what his name was, we'll just call him Farmer Brown, and I, I said, sir, uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, I just parked my best friend's truck at, at the bottom of your hill here in, in the creek down there, and he leans up from working on that John Deere tractor, he's got a big old chaw in his mouth, he said, I believe it, you're the fourth one in there this morning. I go, Really? He said, yep. He said, uh, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. I said, I said, well, hey, can I borrow your phone so I can call a record? He said, no, don't worry about it. I'll get my John Deere tractor. I'll come down there and pull you out. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll come get you. So I go down the, to the back to the truck, and I, I'm looking now, and now I see all these tracks. And there are tracks from... And I was the fourth one in there that morning. You can see here and here and here and then me right there. And I, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, man, Farmer Brown is making some money today. I mean, like he's pulled, I'll be the fourth one. And no telling how much he's getting on each one he's pulling out. So I come down, he hooks up to that little Mazda B5000 thing, whatever the thing was. Pulls that thing out, no big deal. Front right tire, totally blown. No, there's no saving that. It, it was trash anyway. I put the spare on, which was better. Put the spare on. It started. Good to go. I said, sir, I said, here, let, let me pay you for that. He goes, no, I don't need your money. I go, no, I was going to have to call a record. I'm going to pay you for pulling me out. No. Nope. Just be careful out there. We'll see you later. Gets back on his truck, goes back to the house. I'm thinking, okay, I'm the fourth one in there that morning, okay? He's not making any money. Somebody could get killed out here. Do, do y'all understand, if I'd have been going my normal speed, I wouldn't have just gone in the creek. I'd have cleared the creek and went in the tree on the other side. That's what I would have done. I, I, I could have died that day. And I wish that Farmer Brown would have warned somebody about that corner because I could have been killed. My friend could have been killed. If I was Farmer Brown, here's what I'd have done. I'd have done something to let somebody know there's a dangerous curve up ahead. I, I'd have got one of them flares. You know them flares? You go, psh, you light them, psh, 
You know, you throw them down. I, I lit, had a bunch of them, like, makes people think there's a major wreck up ahead. I'll I tell you what I would have done. I'd have got one of my cows, Elsie. I got her, got a feed sack, cut it open. I'd have got some baling wire tied around Elsie. I'd have got a big old black magic marker, tied her up with a halter down about a half a mile down the road, by the side of the road. I'd have tied it up, had her up there like a walking billboard. And I'd have had a, wrote a sign on her like, slow down. Or you're in my creek, Farmer Brown. I would have done something to warn somebody about that corner so nobody would die. And just like I wish that Farmer Brown would have warned me, I'm going to warn you tonight. I don't care if I have to act stupid. I don't care what I have to have to big old, put a big old sign up. I will do whatever it takes to warn you. If you die without a relationship with Jesus, you will spend eternity in a real place called hell forever. And it don't have to be that way. The Bible shows in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, how we can have a relationship with Christ, how we can know for sure that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. This is the earliest church creed. So you want to know what the church preached? You want to know what all these apostles and these disciples and everybody preached? It's right here. It dates back to two or three years right after Jesus died on the cross. And here's the creed. Here it is. Verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. Now, here it is. Here's the creed. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. You say, what's he talking about? A bunch of 500 people, a bunch of them fell, fell asleep. Or it's, he's talking about them being dead. He said, most of them are still alive. He said, some of them have died, but most of them are still alive. You don't believe me that Jesus rose from the dead? You go ask those 500 people that he appeared to after he rose from the dead. They all saw him at one time. And Peter and the disciples and the 12, they all saw him. So go ask some of them. That's the gospel. So what is the gospel? That Jesus, first of all, that he died for our sins. You say, why did Jesus have to die on the cross for our sins? Because being good, going to church is not going to get you to heaven. It had to take Jesus dying on the cross, paying for our sins. We, we owe God, and we can't pay him back. So Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, never sinned, never one th bad thought, bad deed, died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Because we couldn't get to heaven only Jesus could pay for our sins. I have a friend of mine named Ken, and he had a son uh, that he, he wasn't like, you know, like a tough boy or anything like that. And he was always getting beat up at school and stuff. So Ken's always trying to think of ways that, you know, kind of toughen him up. So he signed him up for karate class and, so, and stuff, and, but that didn't work. And so he's always trying to think of some way to get his confidence up and stuff. So he decided to do this. When his boy, his name's Andrew, when he turned 12, he said, made a big deal about it. He said, Andrew, buddy, today you've turned 12. So you have become a man. So what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate your manhood. And they were from Florida. He said, we're going to go down to Bush Gardens, and you're going to ride the biggest, baddest roller coaster there is. And so little Andrew's like, no, Daddy. I'm scared, Daddy. I don't want to ride the big roller coaster. He said, no, no, son. You become a man, we're going to ride that roller coaster today. Just me and you, we're going to go. Ken was like six foot six, huge dude. 
okay? Andrew's a little bitty boy. So he's like, come on, buddy. So he gets there to Bush Gardens, and he's thinking, I need to build his confidence up a little bit. So he thought, I'm going to let him ride the little roller coasters first, and then I'll take him to the big one. Don't want to freak him out on the big one right off the bat. So he took him to little roller coasters. And this one's the kind of like they're in kitty land, you know? And so they don't, don't even have bumps. It's just, like, it's just like a track on the ground. That's it. And it's like a little box. They're like your little box, steel boxes, and, it, and you just sit in it. Ken is too big to get on it. So he can't even get on it. It's because he's six foot six. So Andrew has to get on this roller coaster by himself. So he gets on the roller coaster, and Ken's like, son, you're the man. You become a man today, you can do this. He's like, daddy, I'm scared. He's like, son, look, you can do this. Get on it. <coughs> so he gets him on it. And, and it goes, it's just, it starts, and just goes around the circle. And so finally, he starts realizing it's not that bad. So he'd come around, his dad would be like, you the man, son, you the man. He's like, look, daddy, no hands. No hands, daddy. He says, you the man. See, I told you you could do it. You the man. And so he gets through with that one. He goes to the next one. It's one of them, like, mini mind train deals, you know, where it just kind of, like, pushes you out, just like, and you go like, you know, one of those kind of deals. So Ken, once again, too big, can't get on it. It's a kid ride. So he's like, son, you can do this. He says, daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. I, I, I can't. He says, yes, you can. You're a man. You just roll one roller coaster. You can ride another one. So he gets him on there, shoots him out. Comes in. And it comes in at the last. It's like, no hands, no hands. He's like, you're the man, son. You're the man. I told you you could do it. So he's all excited. He's getting real up. He's ready to do it. He said, all right. He said, all right, son, now we're going to ride the Kumba. Come on. He said, daddy, I don't know. He said, son, you've ridden two roller coasters here at Bush Gardens. You can do this. Come on. So he takes him to the Kumba. And you know how it is at these roller coaster places, you know, these theme parks. You think, oh, it's just a short line. And you're like, there's only like two lines of people, and then you go. Oh, and then what they do is right before you get up there where you can go, they dip you off in a cave. And there's thousands of people underneath this thing. And they're everywhere. And you're in a line for two hours like mice in a maze. And you're going back and forth. And they have little TVs that you can look at to kill time and fans to keep you from getting too hot. And all this stuff. And so they're down there for two hours going through this thing. Finally, they get up there. They get up to the line. And you got the first cart, second, third, you know, all the way to the end. When they're right before they get up to go in line to get in lines for the cart, there's one of them cartoon characters, you know, like Bugs Bunny or something. And it has a, a hand, Bugs Bunny sticking the hand out like this. It has a measuring tape. you got to be such and such tall, you know, like 54 inches to ride this ride or something. Ken looks at that, and he's like, uh-oh. He's saying, we got a problem. I don't think Andrew's going to be tall. So what he does is, he says, son, come here. He's like, what, daddy? He said, come here. He said, come here. So he gets him around the head. Starts lifting up his hair, spiking his hair, getting his hair as tall as he can get it. He's like getting that hair up. He said, okay, because here's what happened. You know, at the end of the line, the, right next to Bugs Bunny, there's one of them ladies that have them half glasses, and she don't want nobody to ride the ride. She's like, you know, a joy killer. And so he said, get on my foot, son. She's like, he said, that what, daddy? He said, get on my foot. He's like, okay. So he gets him on his foot. He starts scooting him up there. He gets him right up there. Gets him right to Bugs Bunny. And that hand sticking out there. He got that little spiked hair. And it's right there. And that lady, she's right there. She sees it. It's like a quarter of an inch too short. And she looks at Andrew and says, I'm sorry, buddy. 
you're too short. You can't ride the ride. Come back in about six months. And little Andrew had to walk through the roller coaster and the other side. And everybody thought that he couldn't ride it or he didn't ride it because he was too scared. When the whole deal was, he was just too short. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That standard to get into heaven is perfection. And we all fall short of it. Some of us fall short by a little bit. Some of us fall short by a whole bunch. And it doesn't matter how far you fall short. We all fall short. But Jesus did for something for us when he died on the cross. He measured up for us. He did something that we couldn't do. He measured up. He paid for our sins so we could ride the ride and have a relationship with Jesus and spend eternity in heaven. He died for your sins and my sins. But not only did he die for our sins, he was buried and he rose again. And because of that, we can have eternal life. Because see what he says in verse 2? He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. You can be saved tonight. You can have forgiveness of sin. You can spend eternity in heaven. You can have peace and purpose that you've never had before. You can have it tonight right here. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute. You say, how? Here's what you got to do. The Bible says you got to be willing to repent and believe in him. If you've never done that before and you want to, I'm going to give you an opportunity right where you're seated to pray and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I want to ask you to forgive me my sins. God, I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss, Lord, and Savior. If you've never done that before and you want to do that, he can save you tonight. He can save you from eternity in hell. He can give you peace and purpose that you never had, and you can spend eternity with him in heaven. You say, well, how do I do that? Last one I want you to see is this. Look with me in verse 1. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. And that's what we just got through talking about. I preach to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. You have to receive this free gift of eternal life. God's not going to force it on you. He's not going to make you do it. You've got to receive it. Uh, in 1829, there was a guy uh, by the name of George Wilson. And George Wilson was a train robber. And the thing about it back then in 1829, if you're going to be a train robber or a bank robber in the United States, you better be good. Because if you're not, you get caught, you die. And they would kill you by hanging. That's the way most of them, they killed them by hanging. And so George Wilson was not a good train robber. He got caught, thrown in jail. They go to court. The judge find, found him guilty of robbing the train, sentenced him to death by hanging. Nobody knows why this happened. It's, it's not in the history books. While George Wilson was in his cell waiting to be hung, nobody knows why, but President Andrew Jackson, President of the United States at the time, gave George Wilson a full pardon. He was free to go. Well, so the warden takes it to George Wilson, to his cell. He said, Mr. Wilson, the President of the United States, President Andrew Jackson, has issued you a full pardon. You are free to go. George Wilson, once again, nobody knows why. It's not in the history books. They do not know why. George Wilson refused the pardon. He said no. So the warden didn't know what to do. Because on one hand, he had the courts saying this guy was guilty and deserved to die by hanging. On the other hand, he had the President of the United States, Andrew Jackson, saying he is free to go. He gave him a full pardon, so he didn't know what to do. So it went back to court. It went to the highest court in the land. 
our United States Supreme Court. And here's what they said. Justice Marshall said this. He said, a pardon does not become a pardon until the one that has issued the pardon receives the pardon. And that's the way it is for you here tonight. Jesus Christ has pardoned every single person on this planet forever. But it does not become a pardon until you receive it. He is not going to make you have it. Just like he, nobody could force the pardon on George Wilson, you have to receive that. And the way you receive it is by admitting you sinned against God, repenting and turning from your sin, and committing your life, going all in with Jesus for the rest of your life. And if you've never done that, you've never received that free gift of eternal life, that pardon, I don't care who you are. It's no good until you receive it. And the way you receive it is to admit that you sin, repent and turn from your sin, and commit your life to Him. You say, Ronnie, I've never done that before. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it right now. Like I told you, I will warn you, I will do whatever it takes. Because there's a lot of you in here, you do not have peace. You do not have purpose. You can have it tonight. And you can have a relationship with Him. Jesus changed my life. And what He did for me, He can do for you. And if you want to receive that free gift of eternal life tonight, I'm going to pray that prayer right where you're seated. He'll come into your life and change you forever. Can you do me a favor? Can you give me two minutes? Nobody get up. Nobody leave. Not the deacons, ushers, nobody. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Ronnie, I've never done that before. I've never received that free gift of eternal life. And I won't do that. Then right where you're seated, you pray this prayer with me right now. And invite him into your life. Just pray it silently with me. You pray it to God. And you invite him into your life. If you've never done this before. Pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here tonight, you say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I received that free gift of eternal life. I just, didn't, I just received that pardon that God has given me. I prayed that prayer. If you just did that, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I don't believe in that. I just want to pray for you. You say, yeah, Ronnie, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? All of you that prayed that prayer and invited Jesus to come to your life, just look up real quick. Say, Ronnie, that's me. I just did that. Just look up and catch your eyes. Yes, ma'am, over here. Anybody else in this section here? Over here on this side. Say, Ronnie, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. I just invited Jesus to come to my life. Okay. All right. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer keep looking up just for a second? I want you to know this. According to what the Bible says, he has forgiven you of everything you've ever done. He's come to live in you, and he'll never leave you. You say, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Now that you've invited Jesus to come to your life, you're letting other people know. You're not to be ashamed of him. We're to confess him as our Lord and Savior. You say, how do I do that? Here's what we're going to do. In just a second, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, as soon as I say amen, pastor, the uh, worship pastor is going to lead us in singing. 
So, Brother David, would you go ahead? And, you, are you ready? <clears throat> so, we stand. I pray. He leads us singing. All of you that prayed that prayer, you step out of your, of your seat, come. Pastor will be right down here. I'll be right down here. If you prayed that prayer, you come to one of us. All we want to do is just say, hey, we'll encourage you. We want to pray with you. We'll give you some material because we're excited about your decision that you made tonight. Okay? So can you do me a favor? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, if you pray that prayer, you step out and come. Let's pray. Pastor, would you stay right here? Father, thank you for those that trust your Lord and Savior. I pray, God, that you give them courage and boldness to take a stand for you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, sings. You come on right now.